Welcome everyone to a Fights in Football Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a one-stop, locally owned commercial and residential cleaning company that focuses on providing the highest level of cleaning services and supplies to their clients. Visit them online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Online, I am at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up in a little bit, we will hear from Matt Marchese as we discuss the fantasy football implications of what's gone on in the football world over the last few months. Um, Also going to be going over just basic winners and losers of the NFL offseason so far, an impactful retirement in the world of professional wrestling. And we have a very big fight, at least for the combatants, coming up this weekend in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Should be a fun one. Hope you guys enjoy it. So we begin with the National Football League. Uh, We got Matt Marchese coming up in a matter of moments. But first, I just want to go through winners and losers of the NFL offseason so far. This is with a giant understanding that this can change dramatically over the next, even like while I am talking, things can change. The Chiefs can go out and get a big receiver. The Packers can go out and get their big receiver. I don't know who is going to make me change my mind on that, but I I think that there is at least a, a little bit of wiggle room on some of these. But this is just a, as we sit here on March 25th in the year of our football gods 2022, this is this is where we are at. So we will start positively with the winners. And the first winner, um, the, the, I, I say the first winner, this is in no particular order whatsoever. The Buffalo Bills, their biggest threat to win a championship was the Kansas City Chiefs. And I get the Kansas City Chiefs weren't in the Super Bowl this year. But still, If we were to power rank them, the biggest threat to Buffalo's chances of claiming the AFC crown were the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs have taken, I think, a dramatic step back with the Tyreek Hill trade. And so because of this, I think the Bills right now are the kings of the AFC. I I think that this is a, a, a really great time to be um, buying some stock on the the Buffalo Bills as AFC favorites. Uh, I think that the odds probably aren't going to be there for them, but this is going to be a real good Buffalo Bills team, and I I think they are the clear favorites right now in the AFC because of what's happened this offseason so far. And also, I like the offseason they've had. I I think Jamison Crowder is is a good second option for them at receiver, or in that second and third option anyway. I think Vaughn Miller helps this defense. I, I think they still maybe need a little bit more, but I think that Von Miller is going to help them out exponentially. The Miami Dolphins are the other winners from the AFC East as, I mean, they just got Tyreek Hill. And again, a lot of reasons to not like Tyreek Hill. His footballing ability ain't one of them. And if nothing else, and I thought Ben Solak had a really good conversation with Bill Simmons on this, talking about how um, the Dolphins are set up where this year you figure out what you have into a tongue of Iowa. And if he sucks, then you have the opportunity next year, either it's a good quarterback draft next year or other quarterback free agents become available next year. You have the opportunity to go out and get some stuff done for the Miami Dolphins. So this is a figure it out type of a year for the Miami Dolphins, but that they have put themselves in a position where there are no more excuses for their quarterback. And they are, I think, the clear second best team in that division. And we'll get to that on the loser side. The Cincinnati Bengals are another winner. They have done 
excellent work, I think, shoring up that offensive line. And because that that was clearly the weakness for this team coming into this offseason, coming out of a, a remarkable playoff run for Joe Burrow, where he was able to run for his life. But you don't want him to have to do that all the time. He doesn't have to do that now because of the work that the Bengals have done this offseason. I, I think that they are probably... Right now, I'm going to say second best team in the AFC, and that's even with everything that's gone on in the the, the AFC West. And maybe, maybe I'll have to recalibrate that, but they are at least, I think they have a good opportunity of being a two seed in the AFC because of what could happen in the AFC West. Going with a bit of a different tone on this one, I'm going to say the Houston Texans are a winner of this offseason. A, you get a bunch of draft capital for a dude who is never going to play on your football team ever again. You get that distraction out of the way. But also, if you want to move Brandon Cooks, I think the market is going to be very aggressive for him now. I think, like we just talked about, Kansas City is going to be looking for a number one receiver. You have the Packers are going to be looking for a number one receiver. I think you look at... um. Even a team like the Raiders, who could use maybe another speed guy and have Renfro be a bit more of an inside dude. Like, I think you have some options to use at the wide receiver position if you want to trade Brandon Cooks. If you don't, then fine, whatever. Um, but I, I think, like, even just the Deshaun trade is a win for them. But I, I do think that because wide receiver, high-end wide receivers, have become such a valuable commodity now, I think the potential for Houston trading Brandon Cooks goes up exponentially, and I think the value of trading a Brandon Cooks goes up exponentially. The Indianapolis Colts are another winner. Um, if they had Matt Ryan last year, this is a playoff team. I, I don't think they have the collapse in the fourth quarter against the Raiders, and I don't think they have the game-long collapse against the Jacksonville Jaguars if there's an adult in the room at quarterback. I think he makes this team better. I think when we look at teams that could use another number one receiver, a Brandon Cooks to the Indianapolis Colts interests me greatly and I think that is a I, I think that there is still a move or two that the Colts can make but right now they are certainly a winner the Tennessee Titans are as well and it, it, this one was one I went back and forth on and by the way not every team is going to fit into every category so if you didn't hear your team mentioned in the winners it doesn't mean they're a loser there are some neutrals in this for sure Switzerland exists right but for the the Tennessee Titans I thought about having them as a neutral but I think adding Robert Woods is enough of a win to put this team in the winner column. I think that you you see you see what the uh, the Titans were missing last year and what they were hoping Julio Jones was going to turn into, that is what Robert Woods can be. That that real solid number 2 option beside AJ Brown. And by the way, AJ Brown, who I think is one of the most talented receivers in the National Football League, a little injury prone. And yeah, you know, if Robert Woods can slide in and be kind of a number one guy on some of those weeks where AJ Brown is a little banged up, I think that helps this offense out a lot. So I think the Tennessee Titans take a bit of a step and because of that, they are a winner as well. And then we get to the AFC West, and it is the Raiders and the Chargers as the biggest winners for me. The Broncos are in there as well, but I think for this, the, the Raiders and the Chargers, uh, I think, are the biggest winners. And I get the the Broncos got their quarterback. We've talked about them a lot. I should probably put them in here. I think it was more I've talked about them at length. And I still have a couple of question marks around Russell Wilson. And uh, the Randy Gregory signing is great, but I look at I look at that defense and we talk about, oh, look at all the great pass rushers in the AFC West. And it's like, yeah, there's a good, but like I just, and th there is probably some Raider bias baked into this as well, but I, I think that, 
Uh, the, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm tempering things just a touch on the Broncos. They're still going to be very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But um, in terms of a winner category, I, I think the Raiders get like their absolute 1A number one need on offense and completely changes the look of this offense. And they are in on enough things on the defensive side of the ball that you're going to assume a defensive improvement is coming for Vegas. And so because of that, I think that you, you put Vegas as a winner. And for the Chargers... I think they're a winner just by getting Khalil Mack. I think they address run defense in the draft, but I, I think getting a Khalil Mack, adding him to the opposite side of Bosa really solidifies this defense. And so I, I like the the Chargers have very much moved up in my power rankings there. And in the NFC, I have but one winner, and that is the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they get Tom Brady back. There are other teams that are strong neutrals in the NFC, but I think the biggest winner in the NFC is the Buccaneers because it's one more year of Tom Brady. Speaking of Tom Brady, to the loser side now, and the first one is the New England Patriots. This offseason has been a disaster for the Patriots. They, they've lost everyone. I don't think they've gained anyone of any value, and their division has got more difficult. That is all a very bad combination for the Patriots, and they are a team, again, where this offseason is progressing. Maybe they can make another couple moves, but right now it's kind of a, oh boy, I don't know. We'll see what New England does the rest of the way. Pittsburgh is another one for me. It seems like this game of musical chairs at quarterback is winding down, and they're left with Mitch Trubisky right now. That is, it's not a step back because Ben Roethlisberger was atrocious last year, but that is not good if you're looking to compete with, again, a Bengals team that has got better, a Browns team that has got better, a Ravens team that we're going to assume will be better next year because all of the running backs aren't going to be hurt. So I, I think Pittsburgh, this offseason has just progressed in a way that has been dreadful for them. And Jacksonville is another team where they went out and spent a bunch on a bunch of dudes who aren't difference makers. And that's that's not great. Like they, they plugged some holes, but they plugged some holes with just guys. Like they, they plugged some holes with guys who might be holes in a year or two. And their division got more difficult with the Colts improving, with the Titans improving. They, they have a number one pick and that's going to be great. And they're going to get, I think, a potential difference maker on either side of the ball, offensive line or defensive line. But they needed a bunch more of those guys to make any kind of a move up. And that's they didn't, and so they're a loser there. The Kansas City Chiefs also are. For one, the rest of the division has got remarkably better, and they have got worse with the loss of Tyreek Hill. I don't care about how quick MVS can be. They they need people who can get open, and they, they don't have that right now in, in Kansas City. We've talked about them at length. The Commanders are a loser of the offseason, A, because their team name is now the Commanders, but B... They went out and gave up assets and money for Carson Wentz. I would rather what the Falcons had, and they're going to come up in a little bit. I'd rather what the Falcons have in Marcus Mariota. I'd rather do that, take that shot, than have Carson Wentz as my quarterback right now. Like, they are spending a whole lot of money to be mid at quarterback, and that's not a good place to, to be in for the commanders. The Packers are an obvious loser. They've just lost two of their top three wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers is coming back, but now we are maybe seeing a potential cost of that. They have a lot of work to do to even get back into a neutral territory in this one. The AFC, or the NFC South has a couple representatives on the loser side. The Carolina Panthers are one. Again, they have tried actively to improve their lot in life at quarterback, and now it looks like they might be taking a quarterback at six, which is just too much of a reach. 
if I'm them, I'm grinding it out with Sam Darnold one more year, trying to build around him and then going for a quarterback in next year's draft. Atlanta Falcons, they are a loser. Calvin Ridley is gone for the year. Matt Ryan is gone for good. And I, I just, I think they're going to be very bad. Um, that that's that's kind of it. Like they they have solidified themselves as a bottom team in the National Football League, and so the Seattle Seahawks they have to trade away Russell Wilson, and so because of that, a lot of the wards that he was able to hide start to come out into the light a little bit. So there are your winners and losers. In hindsight, I probably should have had the Broncos on this list as a winner. So that is it from the on the field footballing standpoint. What about from a fantasy football standpoint? Coming up, we chat with Matt Marchese about just that thing. Who whose stock has improved, whose stock has declined because of the offseason we've had so far. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. They got some new music coming out next week. Very pleased to be joined by a man who wears many hats at Sportsnet 590 out in Toronto, fantasy expert, uh, producer, hockey gambling expert extraordinaire. Uh, <laughs> he is Matt Marchese. Matt, how's it going, man? I'm good. I like that hockey gambling expert. I mean, I, I the the many hats they the jack of all trades, master of none. I think we can go with. <laughs> nice, nice. That's a good spot to be in in, in radio. Um, the, the reason we're bringing you on today is a to look at your amazing hair and b um to to chat of oh. <laughs> don't do that to me man um, but we got uh, a lot going on in the nfl as the offseason has been drunk essentially uh we will begin with tyreek hill to the miami dolphins a move that comes out of nowhere and i i, I can't imagine we'll start with tyreek hill i can't imagine this has a positive impact on his fantasy value no it doesn't and you're going from one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen to a guy that hasn't proven anything over the course of his NFL career. And it's not only that it's Tyree kills. Big thing is speed. And Patrick Mahomes is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL Tua Tagovailoa is a decent deep ball thrower, but there's a lot that is left to be desired. Let's also, let's also talk about the fact that Andy Reed is an offensive genius and Tyree kills going to a place in Miami where Mike McDaniel is a new head coach. Some guys are really good coordinators. Some guys aren't good coaches. So we're going to find out really quickly. I just, I look at that situation and because of the downgrade at quarterback, we're not going to see Tyreek Hill put up video game numbers. The fact that Jalen Waddle is there means we're not going to see him put up video game numbers. And Mike Kosicki's there. And Devontae Parker at the moment, as we record this, is still there. And they signed Cedric Wilson. And they have Raheem Mostert. And they brought in Chase Edmonds. There are so many people in that offense that couple that with the fact that he's not playing with as good of a quarterback and the fact that there are just more guys that they can throw the ball to. And, and I'm assuming they're going to want to run the ball considering where Mike McDaniel came from in San Francisco. I just don't see a situation where Tyreek Hill is drafted in the first two rounds of redraft. I, I, I just, I don't see the value there. And on the flip side, when we look at Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes in games last year, when Tyreek Hill didn't play, I think averaged 360 yards passing. So, I mean, it's not as if, it's not as if Patrick Mahomes, like the, I, I want to preface this by saying, I, Tyree kills a really good player. Don't get me wrong. 
But Tyreek Hill, when he came to the Kansas City Chiefs, was a punt returner and a guy that they would sprinkle in as a gadget guy. The system helped turn, and not it's not only the system, but the system helped turn Tyreek Hill into the player that we see today. I don't know if we're going to get that in Miami. I really don't think so. All right. Matt Marchese, Tyreek Hill hater. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, there, there's a lot to hate about the dude. But um, anyway, on the uh, on the Dolphins side of things, you just mentioned all the different weapons that they have um, in terms of I guess we'll focus on the main ones with uh, with Waddle and with Tua. How, how does this affect how you view those players now? So. Tua gets a stock up just because he's got all these guys in his offense. And I think that's the guy that benefits the most. I think Jalen Waddle benefits a little bit because teams aren't going to be able to blanket coverage on him. And he's going to be able to kind of do what he does. And when I looked at Jalen Waddle going to Miami, I didn't love the fit at first, but I love the player. I love Jalen Waddle in college. I thought Jalen Waddle was I had him as the number two receiver behind Jamar Chase in that draft. It's well-documented that I'm really a big fan of Jalen Waddle, But I don't know if we're going to see that same type of production as we saw at the end of last year. He was incredible at mm -hmm. the end of last year, but the target competition is not the same. Couple the fact that, like I mentioned, you've added Chase Edmond, who's a pass-catching back. You've added Raheem Mostert, who they want to do the, the, the ground and pound with if he's healthy. So... I think what Miami has done is they have insulated Tua Tagovailoa to the point where he should be. I'm not, I, I don't want to go out and say that he's going to be a QB one, but Tua Tagovailoa should be based on the team that he has in, around him, a, a high end QB two with a chance at the upside of being a, a back end QB one. So I think he gets the biggest bump. I think Waddle takes a hit but I think the opportunity that he gets is better because he doesn't have to worry about blanket coverage or double teams or, or teams just focusing on him as the focal point of that offense. But it's all going to come down to what Tua can do. Can he take that next step forward in his development? And that remains to be seen. There's a long list of Alabama quarterbacks who have done diddly squat in the NFL and yeah maybe none of them have had the situation like he has right now with, you know, the fastest duo of wide receivers that we've probably ever seen, but he's got to be the one that puts it together. I'm, I think that, that Tua's because of the weapons that are there, I think his draft stock has gone up so much to a point where I wouldn't draft him where he's going to be drafted. Kind of a, an overvalued type of a situation. Yeah. Because it just, he hasn't proven anything to me yet. So yeah. I, I would wait that out. Um, another big name receiver, uh, this time coming into the AFC West, uh, as Devonte Adams is my new favorite player coming to the Vegas Raiders in, uh, again, a trade that seemed to come out of nowhere, uh, I guess kind of the, the same principles involved here. How does this affect Devonte Adams and how does this affect the other weapons with the Raiders? So Devonte Adams, this is going to be, a, he gets a downgrade just like Tyree kill does. Because he goes from a court, like Derek Carr is, I think Derek Carr has a better chance of being a QB one than Tua Tagovailoa does. Because Derek Carr has proven in the past that he can be a fantasy asset. Whereas mm -hmm. Tua, like I said, still waiting to see. But Devontae Adams gets a downgrade here. He goes from maybe the most talented, maybe, not the best, because he hasn't won a lot, but the most talented quarterback that we've seen over the course of a career, like Patrick Mahomes is eventually going to be that guy, but from start to finish, 
over a lengthy career, it's Aaron Rodgers. And he, that's a huge downgrade for Devontae Adams because he's not going to get 10 targets a game. It's, I just, I don't see where that happens with Hunter Renfro in, in the mix, who was really, really good last year, mm-hmm. and Darren Waller back healthy. Josh Jacobs is in the mix in that offense as well. And I, I just, I don't see where the value is. That's another guy who, you know, you could have made the case that Devontae Adams in, in PPR leagues is probably a back end first round pick if you're playing in a 12 to 14 team league Devonte adams is now dropped into probably late second early third like justin jefferson has passed him debo samuel has probably passed him cooper cup has certainly passed him so now you're into Devonte adams you know wide receiver five six range hmm. which is i'll take that value because he's yeah. One of the best, he's, he might, he's probably the best receiver in football, but the downgrade just because he goes to a lesser quarterback and he goes to an offense where let's face it, there's more target competition for him than there was in green Bay, green Bay. He was the dog. They threw to him all the time because they could, and they didn't have anybody else. So I think he gets a little bit of a downgrade. And I will say this, those AFC West games are going to be a blast this year. Yeah. <laughs> like that is literally murderer's row of wide receiver talent, of playmaking talent. Like I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. As a Raider fan, I, I've already accepted that, A, it's going to be tough on my heart. Uh, but also I, I'm getting the the main national broadcast guys on like every game this year. I, yep. I'm not getting like third dude down, like Chris Myers along with whatever kicker just came out. I'm, I'm getting like, I'm getting the bucks. I'm getting the Aikmans. I'm getting Nance and all, all those guys um, staying in the, the, the AFC uh, again, Deshaun Watson. It's tough to talk about football when there's the other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the, the purpose of this. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. There's obviously a suspension looming, for Watson. So how do you approach that situation this year? Wait a year. I'm not yeah. like, if he's there at like, if you're in a one QB league and he's there a little bit later, like if you're talking, he probably won't be, but if everybody else is scared off by the suspension, maybe it's 15th round, 14th round, dependent. It's all about roster construction. If you're comfortable with your roster, and you maybe wait on a quarterback, if you think that you can get someone that's a little bit later, trying to think of who would be, like if you think that Trey Lance is going to be something and Trey Lance starts to tumble down the board, even though I don't think that that's going to be the case, or here's a better example. If you think that you can get Mitch Trubisky as a fill-in guy who you think can get you through the first six to seven weeks of the season – then you can take Deshaun Watson maybe a little bit earlier with that plan in place. But I don't know what the NFL is going to do here. I really have no idea. And let's face it, Deshaun Watson is coming off of not playing for a year and a half. He's not coming off of an injury. So that's the one kind of bonus that is baked into all this is that it's not like he's coming to a knee injury or whatever. He's coming off. He's healthy from what we know. He just hasn't played. That could be a factor in all this because it's going to be a year and a half if we assume that the suspension is about seven to eight games, which I think is probably around where it's going to be. Um, it also depends on how quickly the NFL moves on this. I, I would assume that we will know by the summer what the situation is with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. But he goes into a situation that he's never been in before. Like he doesn't have the 
DeAndre Hopkins type alpha receiver that he had when he was in Houston, but he's got Amari Cooper who's pretty good. Last time I checked. Um, he didn't have a great finish to the season, but Amari Cooper's still a good receiver. They've got the two running backs in Kareem Hunt and Deshaun, uh, sorry, and Nick Chubb. And Deshaun Watson also might have another weapon coming in. Like, I don't, I don't think that it's out of the question that the Browns add another receiver, whether it be in the draft via free agency mm-hmm. or in a trade. And they've also got Donovan Peoples-Jones there, who I thought was really good at the end of last season. I'm a big fan of his. So there are some pieces there. And if we're going to be completely honest, which we always will be, Deshaun Watson, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, didn't really have much to work with. No. There wasn't a bunch of te- – like, Will Fuller was there, but Will Fuller – how often was Will Fuller healthy? There's yeah. a, Okay, there is a perfect example of a guy that could end up in Cleveland, is Will <laughs> Fuller. Barely played last season in Miami. There was a disaster. And maybe Will Fuller is healthy for some of the season, just adding another weapon for Deshaun Watson – and Odell Beckham said, I might be interested in going back to Cleveland. I wonder why. I wonder if it's because that Baker Mayfield guy probably won't be there at the start of the season. So mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson will have, he will add value for you because I don't think anybody's reaching on Deshaun Watson with a suspension looming. And depending on when your draft is, you may already know when that's like what the length of that suspension is. So I would say, I would be comfortable with taking him a little bit later because he could be a league winner for you, but I'm definitely not reaching on a guy that could be out for, for seven games. Yeah. Um, quickly. Cause I know you got to get going uh, Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Um, we, we thought the Jerry Judy hype train was out of control last off season. I would imagine that thing is already rolling this year off the rails, <laughs> but it, but I think the guy that gets kind of lost in all this, I love Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy was, he was the best route runner in his draft class. There was no question about that. But I think the guy that kind of gets a little bit lost in all this is Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton, before he got hurt, was a really good wide receiver. Last year he came back. He struggled a little bit when he came back from injury. Then Judy got hurt and then the stock started to go up a little bit. But he's had to play with bad quarterbacks. Russell Wilson comes into this situation with two really good wide receivers, an excellent running back in Javante Williams. I was kind of, as, a, as someone who has Noah Fant in Dynasty, I was kind of perturbed that he was part of the deal. But Albert O, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to even try. I thought about it. I'm like, I'm not going to try and pronounce <laughs> the last name. Um, he showed that he can be a real valuable asset for team, for the Broncos. So, Wilson is already a really good quarterback as long as they have a better offensive line than they did in Seattle. I think that Russell Wilson is in a great spot. And, and I think that you're also going to see Jerry Judy rocket up ADP and it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to really consider maybe Jerry Judy up against a guy like CD lamb. Mm. Like you're he's in that territory right Mm -hmm. now. And CD lamb is the guy in Dallas with Michael Gallup coming back from injury, who knows when. I mean, that's how I kind of look at at where Judy's rising. And there is a chance that he even leapfrogs C.D. Lamb because of, you know, we're going to see the stuff out of camp. Oh, my God, Jerry Judy looks absolutely electric with Russell Wilson throwing yeah. the ball. And then, like you said, that hype train is out of control. And off we go to the races. And it's like, do I really want to reach on Jerry Judy when maybe I can get something that's a little bit more guaranteed like would you be surprised if jerry judy passes deontay johnson 
Ooh, no, I wouldn't it, like people talk yourself into into one quarterback and out of the other one, right? Like that's yeah, that, that but very much could make sense. And it's not like Deontay Johnson has dealt with great quarterbacks over the last <laughs> two years. Ben has Fair been point. not good. Mm-hmm. And whenever they sprinkle in, you know, um a Mason Rudolph in that mix, still not good. I think that Trubisky is a is an upgrade at quarterback for what they have, and yet we're gonna see. Jerry Judy very likely move past Deontay Johnson in drafts when I'd rather take Deontay Johnson at that point at a discount. So I'm very excited. Like I said, for the AFC West, I don't, I don't envy your, your Raiders fandom at all right now, although they've had a really good off season. I don't envy it playing in that division as a bills fan. They can all stay West. (laughs) Let the bills deal with whatever Miami's throwing out there and whatever the Patriots are throwing out there. And I didn't even include the jets because they still suck. So uh, yeah, no, the AFC is a monster and I don't know why any quarterback would have wanted to go to the AFC West willingly seeing what's going on there. Yeah, it, it's going to be just a gauntlet this year. Um, but I'm uh, hey, I after all these years, I will take. Oh, we're really good. There's just other teams <laughs> that are really good too. I'll, I'll take that over. Hey, maybe Marcus Triasasopo is something. I've um, been there. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Uh, Matt, thank you for this, man. Uh, if people want to to find your work and get in on the the early stages of your NHL gambling empire, how how can they do that? <laughs> they can follow me at MattyMar89 on Twitter and at MattyMar89 underscore bets on Instagram because some jackass took. Maddie Mar 89 on Instagram. I can't find them, but if I do, I want that handle. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's start a petition to, to get that going. Uh, Matt, you're a beauty man. Thanks for this. Thank you very much, Peter. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is, we had no idea a podcast about world events that you know about, but might've fallen asleep for during history class or social studies. However, you learn history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, some good stuff from Matt there. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Let's find who has that Instagram handle too. Um, a couple other things here before we go on the fighting aspect of it. Uh, the UFC going down this weekend, Curtis Blades taking on Chris Dawkus. Dawkus, someone who had a bit of momentum and now he doesn't. And Curtis Blades is just per- perpetually um, in, in a wave of, is he good? Isn't he good? Is he good? Is he not good? Um, he's good. He's not exciting. And that means when he loses, he takes giant steps back. And this was another one where you, you guys know one of my, my favorite ways of kind of hyping up a fight in my mind is, hey, this is a fight for relevancy. Like one of these guys is going to take a giant step back away from uh, a championship opportunity with a loss in this bout. And for, for Curtis Blades, that is too bad because you look at it, he has won uh, five of his last seven fights. So he's five and two in his last seven. The two losses, his three losses in his career are to Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. He's lost twice to Ngannou and um, once recently to Derek Lewis. But again, it is not the most crowd-pleasing way that he goes about things. And there's some couple, a couple good wins in here. A win against uh, Alexander Volkov and a win against Rosenstruck. Now, the win against Rosenstruck, it felt like the, the, the reaction to that was more, oh, okay, so Rosenstruck isn't that good. Um, <laughs> which is unfair to, to Curtis Blades. But he has a style where people don't really get all that excited about this guy for whatever reason. And there's some knockouts in here, right? Like he, he, he knocked out uh, his most recent knockout win back in 2020 against JDS on a fight night card that he was headlining. He, 
He is a good fighter. He, I think he is a, a very good fighter. But I think a loss here, and it just, it, it's too many knocks against him. Um, I, I don't think that he moves up into title contention or anything like that, because he's lost twice to the guy who is currently the champion. For Chris Dawkus, there was a buildup, a buildup, a buildup, and then the biggest fight of your career, and you get knocked the fuck out in three minutes and 36 seconds. So I, I don't know if this is a fight for relevance. I, I don't think the loser of this fight just fades off into that dark night. But I do think that this fight is more important for these two guys than it is in the giant landscape of the UFC. Because realistically, the heavy, the next heavyweight challenger isn't coming out of this fight. Um, if Francis Ngannou does leave, maybe the winner of this fight takes a, a half step closer to a potential title shot. But I, I think these two guys are, I think, realistically two or three fights away from this. But for them, a loss here just personally, I think sets them back quite a bit. And I I just, I think this is a bigger fight for these two guys than it is for like the, the grand scheme of the MMA heavyweight division. I think it's an intriguing fight and uh, I'm interested to see how it goes down on Saturday. Last one, I found out before the show started that Triple H has announced his retirement from in-ring competition because of a, a health scare. He had viral pneumonia, uh, it sounded like he could have died for a bit there, which is uh, obviously extremely st scary. Uh, I'm going to go a bit more in-depth on this next week when I have a bit more time to, to prep for it and everything like that. But this is the end of what I think is an excellent career. And I do think that there is a bit of underrating how good Triple H has been because, oh, he was married to the boss's daughter. And, oh, well, he didn't put over uh, Booker T. And he was clearly in everyone's ear. And no, 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 no. Whatever you want to say about how he got into some of the positions he got into and some of his backstage politicking, A, he was really good. And like th that era where he was just handed the World Heavyweight Championship on Raw. And should he have lost to Booker T? I think so. Like that that's the one that you can point to. It's like, hey, maybe should have lost that one. The other one, like, are you, you telling me he should have put Scott Steiner over? Kevin Nash, he should have lost to Kevin Nash at Bad Blood in that Hell in a Cell. Goldberg, he put him over and then he got the title back and that's... They, they maybe could have handled that a little bit better, but still, Triple H was, I think, the standard bearer at that time. And he... That character that they had in the, the draft and where he was kind of the guy, that is one of my all-time favorite characters. And I think it's one that's kind of lacking today where it is a... The most important thing in my life is winning this World Heavyweight Championship. Like, to to have this title is to be the standard bearer of professional wrestling, and I need to be that. I don't want to be that. I need to be that. I think there needs to be more of that. And then you look at the second act of his career as someone who built up NXT and built up a lot of stars that you see today. I, I think that really changed the reputation of Triple H. So I'm going to go more into the career of Triple H next week as we gear up for WrestleMania, but this is this really is the end of one of the all-time great careers, and... I think a lot of people, A, accept that this is an all-time great career, but B, I don't think enough people appreciate how good this guy was, truthfully, at uh, a weird time in professional wrestling. So that's going to do it for the show. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Reminder, we have the WrestleMania contest coming up. The winner gets a $25 gift card from Sea of Dead, free residential cleaning from Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, and two free tickets to a Can-Am wrestling show coming up on April 20th at the Back Alley. I have an Instagram post uh, at Primetime Climb that says contest on that. Share that into your story. You get an entry form. Leave a review 
uh, either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts of Couch Potato Diary, you get an entry form. Follow me on primetime uh, on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Entry form. You fill it out, rank your WrestleMania predictions from most confident to least confident, and the person who gets the most points at the end will get what I mentioned before. $25 gift card from Sea of Dead Residential Cleaning from Clearwater Cleaning Solutions and two free tickets to Can-Am Wrestling April 20th at the back alley. A reminder that you can also join the March Madness promotion for Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. If you phone and book and mention that you want to book the March Madness promotion, you will get 10% off of your first invoice with them. Thank you all so much for the continued support. It's Mania Week next week. We'll talk to you then. I'm out.